0: Hi, and welcome to another installment of the Open Assembly Podcast. I'm your host, John Windsor, and in this episode, I speak with Christian Cottaccini, co founder and CEO of HeroX. Drawing upon nearly 20 years of XPRIZE Foundation experience, HeroX is a unique platform that enables any organization to solve any challenge in any field using the power of the crowd. HeroX can run challenges from small to large and across a wide range of industries and topics. Christian has successfully built and sold several companies, and his passion for open innovation is just really infectious. He is one of the world's leading thinkers in crowdsourcing and the open economy. And every time we talk, I always feel as though the possibilities are endless. Please enjoy this conversation with Christian Cottaccini, co-founder and CEO of HeroX.
1: Hey, Christian, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you, John? I'm good. Where are you? I'm on a 42-foot sailboat heading north from Vancouver to Desolation Sound.
0: Ah, that's so awesome. I mean, that so, you know, typifies the future of work, doesn't it? The ability to kind of connect anywhere in the world, do what you're passionate about, and still be connected and get the work done that you need to get done. So thanks for taking a few minutes with us today and just having a chat. To start off with, you know, I think people would love to hear because you've got such an amazing background. Tell us a little bit about you personally and where you came from and, you know, how you got to where you are with HeroX and all the things you're doing.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. So, you know, I'm a pretty classic entrepreneur. I I dropped out of college to to start my first tech company. And before that, you really didn't have an interest in business, but kind of fell in love with taking an idea and making it real. And so that first company went public, and it was a great success, although I made a lot of mistakes. I then started two other companies. They were both sold to larger tech companies. So that was 18 years back-to-back, crazy startup life. Along the way, got married, had three kids. So I ended up, the last company we sold to Dell when they were going private, and I popped out the other end with nowhere to go and nothing to do, which was this surreal experience. So I decided that, that was going to be my sabbatical. So I you know, started traveling and meeting people. And along the way, I, I started getting involved with XPRIZE, met Peter Diamandis. We started collaborating on a couple of different projects. And quickly, I started to get the itch to do another startup. And I was talking to Peter about it. And I really was focused on the power of the crowd and the ability to use the internet to collaborate, um, to accelerate innovation and to help solve the problems that the world's facing cuz unfortunately the problems seem to be outpacing us right now so yeah, he sure. yeah he let me know that they had an internal project to create a platform so to make a long story short we decided to join forces and spin it off as a standalone company and that that's how HeroX was born That's
0: awesome that's awesome well, I love what you guys are doing You know, not only do you have a super unique background, I love it. I mean, as a fellow entrepreneur, I love bonding and doing stuff with other entrepreneurs because they know not only the highs of success, but also kind of the the valleys of failure and, you know, can take a, a lot away from that. But, you know, we're talking about HeroX. Just tell us about the platform.
1: Yeah. So when we started HeroX, the idea was to figure out how to make crowdsourcing scale and how to make crowdsourcing mainstream and really how to, you know, create that social proof that crowdsourcing is something that all companies should be doing, or in other words, using the internet to engage and collaborate with people who don't work for you, which if you think about it is a really big group of people, no matter what company you're with, the people who don't work for you category has a huge pool of talent. And so, you know, we looked at all the other platforms and, you know, the early ones and some of the successes and some of the failures and we really realized that we wanted to uh, create a you know, innovation platform that was the everything platform for innovation. If it was ethical, legal, and safe, you could do it on Hero X. And we had no idea how we were going to do that, so we started experimenting, and it's taken a long time in entrepreneur years. But what we've realized and our unique positioning in the market is to really be the the social network and the matchmaking platform for crowdsourcing, for open innovation, for knowledge work. And so we, we have projects from, you know, zero dollars, social impact projects to millions of dollars at all sizes and shapes in between. We have social impact ones. We've got AI ones. We've got space ones, data science, creative design. We've got challenges of all shapes and sizes on our platform which we love. We've actually deliberately worked to avoid getting pigeonholed and making sure that we are really diverse. And equally importantly, we work with a lot of other platforms um, yeah, where they really that. use us as a promotion, a promotion platform, like a social network. And that's really what we're trending towards is, is being the missing social network for crowdsourcing and open innovation, like kind of like the Airbnb for, for human ingenuity. And really, you know, we don't see any platform as a competitor. We see them as a collaborator. And we're really working hard to make it really easy for other platforms, other companies to list their projects on HeroX, access traffic, and help boost the success of their projects and improve the quality of their platform for both the sponsors and the solvers.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about it. And it's just I love this aspect of being a social network for, you know, the open talent economy. It, it just feels like you're taking an ecosystem approach. And I know in a lot of the research we've done, you know, on the demand side, there's so much confusion out there. Like What platform should I go with? What are they good at? What should they focus on? And it's great that you kind of have it feels like a very agnostic approach that you can solve kind of a lot of things for a lot of different people by being collaborative and being, you know, focused on the ecosystem itself.
1: Yeah, you know, knowledge work is an unbelievably diverse and complex field. I mean, it covers so much, so many disciplines, so many types of, of work, so many talent pools. So, you know, there's a you know, classic kind of truism with startups, which is, you know, you, you can either be a mile wide and an inch deep or an inch wide and a mile deep. You, know, you can either get vertical and really specialize or you have to be general. It's really hard to do both. And so a lot of platforms, they focus on a specific type of task or work or discipline, You know, coding, AI, data science, creative, uh, things like that. And you know, we love that. We think that's really important to the health of the ecosystem. Our job is to be a mile wide, an inch deep and to help connect the solver community, you know, help the solvers find the challenges they want to work with and create that network effect that is hard to do when you are doing a vertical community. So, you know, we're really about bringing missing network effects. And a really great stat that I'm really proud of with our platform is that across all of the challenges promoted on HeroX, 80% of the solvers that register are recruited off platform, meaning wow. they were not previously registered as uh, the HeroX user. They came to HeroX, saw the challenge, signed up for it. And so that 80% number is really important because we really represent the easiest, fastest, and most efficient on-ramp to the global crowd, which we estimate with the work we've done with uh, NASA and Harvard, we estimate to be about 900 million strong is the global wow. crowd. And we want to make it easy for for anybody who's launching a crowdsourcing project to find the needle in the haystack in the global crowd.
0: Yeah, I totally love that because for a couple of reasons, you know, I heard a statistic lately that, you know, there's about 80 percent of folks that do freelance and open talent work actually work off platform. So they just haven't found that place to sit. And one of the things I think you guys are really doing a great job of is is being a little more agnostic, like I said, but also showing up in places where people socially exist and and have an easier on-ramp into doing really, really interesting work. The other thing I love about kind of what you guys do is this idea that, you know, at least some of the work that, you know, you've done and, and we've researched at Harvard on NASA is that there's so much power in this adjacent knowledge, right? It's like, it's great to have deep expertise in something, but usually big problems are solved by somebody that has a little bit different perspective to the question, right? They have some interesting kind of point of view or background or they're from an interesting place and a, a different, interesting perspective. Let's move on and talk about, I know you're agnostic across a lot of stuff, but if there are, are two or three categories that you're really strong in, what, what would those categories be?
1: That's a good question. So like I said, we, we're trying not to get strong in any one category, but Well, we've had a lot of success. Like one of our biggest customers is NASA. And we've done all sorts of projects for them and other government agencies. And you know, recently we've done some really great work with like for example the Exploring Hell Challenge, which you know, NASA is trying to figure out how to land a rover on Venus. Venus is unbelievably hot. It's like nine hundred degrees Fahrenheit on the on the surface. And I think it's about 50 atmospheres of pressure, so 50 times the pressure of Earth. And so any microelectronics will fry as soon as you land there. So how do you create a rover that will move around? And they got these amazing submissions, these really great ideas that are implementable, right? That that NASA can take these ideas and engineer them into solutions, you know, and it, it was a very steampunk kind of challenge. You know, it's articulating arms and you know, pendulums and stuff. It was really amazing. So, you know, the power of X is the broad diversity that we see in, across the challenges and the fact that as long as it's ethical, legal, and safe, and as long as it's solvable by human beings, we can put it on X. And big ones, small ones, we, we have a lot of great success with them. That's great. Well, you know, to help
0: the audience get familiar with the projects you guys do, could you just give us one good case study from the platform, like a good customer success
1: story? Yeah, well, I just shared the NASA one, but let me talk about the New York Department of Health. We did this challenge a little while ago, and it was basically for seniors, for healthy seniors living independently. How can we help the senior population? And New York State is getting a larger and larger group of of seniors that are in the state. And it's a big burden on the Medicare system. How can we support them to live independently longer? And so this was targeted at a lot of colleges and universities. And some of the ideas that they came up with, you know, like there was a one was a 3D printed hand, like a spongy handle for people with arthritis or other you know, problems with mobility, that they could um, put them on their forks, their knives, their knitting needles, their paintbrushes. And so they 3D printed these different sizes and shapes, and they actually field tested them in the challenge. And they had these videos of these seniors, and it was amazing. Like, there was one senior who was like, you know, I, I gave up on knitting. I thought I couldn't do knitting anymore. But with these, my hands are good. I can knit for a couple hours, and I don't get sore with my arthritis. And so just little innovations that are game changers was really amazing. And, you know, there were so many other great ideas. I mean, I could go on about all the other great ideas that they had for helping seniors get out of beds and chairs using a pneumatic system and all sorts of other ones. It's just amazing, you know, when you open up your problem in the form of a challenge online, you can tap into some amazing talent. And uh, I'll just say one last thing about that. What was great about, I think there were six teams that were in the finalist round, and they presented at an event. And what was really great is each of them had a personal story about why their invention was important to them. It was because of wow. their grandmother. It was, it was because of their own personal experience that really drove them for the innovation. And it's just a good reminder that a lot of what makes innovation work is purpose-driven. It's not yeah. about the right answer. It's not a spreadsheet. You know, it's about engaging with human imagination and human motivation. And that's something that is really hard to do inside of a company, but it's really uh, easy and powerful to do when we open it up to everybody.
0: Yeah, I love the facilitation of passion, right? Like the ability to throw things out there and aggregate ideas and talent around the passions that they have. So that's super cool to hear. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the disruption of COVID and and the current crisis, economic crisis. What are you seeing out there? What do you hear from customers and from folks working on the platform? And just, you know, you're such an experienced entrepreneur. I'm sure you've got some insights of what's happening and what you're going to see, what we're going to see.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, so COVID is, in a way, it's a common pattern, but it's also unique and has a lot of like a one-time event feeling to it. But On the common pattern side, you know, economic cycles are, well, they're cycles, right? You have boom times, you have bus times, you have recessions. I've been through many of them as an entrepreneur. And what I've learned is that, you know, recessions and bad times are the perfect time for entrepreneurs to succeed, the perfect time for startups to succeed, because business as usual isn't good enough for your customers. And they become open to taking risks, to trying new things. In fact, often they're forced to, they have to for survival. So entrepreneurs should, you know, be looking to, you know, how can they create value? How can they adapt? To these times and the, the best entrepreneurs will will look back and see that, you know, this recession was a tremendous opportunity for their company to shine. You know, that's great. The the one-time part of it, obviously, you know, it's the biological agent, it's a pandemic, it's not just an economic recession, it's personal, political, it's everything. It's, it's affecting so much of life and the diversity of the experiences that people are having is really unbelievable. You know, people in the you know, entertainment, travel industry, that their, their businesses have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of cities, it, it's it seen that, you know, one third of all the restaurants are going to go out of business. It's really tough, but it's also an opportunity for, you know, people to learn how to leverage technology better. You know, the, the distance, you know, working from home, remote work, which is something Herox has been doing since day one, but that's opening up a whole other kettle of fish. And what I really like about it on the positive side is it's just reminding people that, you know, business as usual isn't, it isn't good enough. And when people have been forced out of it, like, a lot, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who said like, oh, we, had to, we were forced to do remote work. Right. And man, it's actually really good. Exactly. Like, the productivity is really high. Yeah. And so they realized that they had a lot of superstitious beliefs about how business needed to be run. And they got forced out of those superstitious beliefs. And I think that's an opportunity that that's really gonna change the nature of, of our society and how, how businesses run in many positive ways as we continue to deal with the negative impact of it, which is sure. you know gonna be a long term healing process for us.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us, you know, inside organizations, who's your core customer? Like, when you engage with an organization, who brings you in and who's the, who are the folks that you work with? Like, if there's somebody in an organization, where do you usually fit in?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, it depends a lot on the nature and the size of the organization. But basically, you know, we, we're matching up with the internal innovators. You know, the change makers inside of companies are the ones who are saying internally, hey, Let's leverage the power of the crowd. And so sometimes that's an innovation team inside of a company. Sometimes it's a product or R&D group. Sometimes it's the C-suite. You know, sometimes, by the way, it's with their corporate social responsibility Mm -hmm. team. So the social impact side of it. You know, we did a really great project with Lululemon um, with their CSR teams. You know, basically the rule that I have, I call it the organizational innovation paradox, which is, By the time a problem trickles up to the executive office, Mm -hmm. you know, the answer is not in the building. Mm -hmm. Because if the answer was in the building, assuming a well-run company, the answer would have trickled up alongside it, or at least the proposal. Oh, here's a problem, and here's the the two ways we can Mm -hmm. fix it. So what happens, of course, is that, yeah, the problems that don't have answers inside the building, they accumulate in the executive offices in various departments of the company. And those are ripe opportunities for crowdsourcing. Hey, take that idea, convert it into a challenge, frame it in a positive way that's brand friendly and put it out to the community and ask for ideas. You know, that, the NASA Exploring Hell Challenge, the Venus Rover Challenge is a great example. We also just launched the Lunar Loot Challenge which is a how to create a toilet that can work in microgravity on the way to the moon and work wow. on the moon with one sixth the Earth gravity and it'd be sustainable and you know not not create problems because I don't know if you've seen videos of the toilet on the International Space Station but you've got to wear like goggles and a mask and there's vacuum hoses and all sorts of crazy things involved. It's not fun. Doing number two on the ISS is not fun.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's very cool. So as an organization and an entrepreneur, what's your biggest challenge right now?
1: Well, our biggest challenge is COVID-19 and the, the disruption it's had on corporate buying patterns and their interest in working on longer-term innovation. That's been a challenge, but it's also been an opportunity for us. And you know, we've, we've adapted very rapidly there. But our challenge is really about continuing to be a thought leader, share the message, and just get out there and get through the kind of the selling cycle with corporates and, you know, working towards getting crowdsourcing mainstream. And we've made progress there. The, you know, if I think back a few years, you know, when we first started, for example, I'd say a third of the time when we were meeting with a company, somebody would mistake what we were talking about crowdsourcing as crowdfunding. They'd ask a crowdfunding question and we were like, no, 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 no. this is not crowdfunding, this is crowdsourcing. (laughs) So They were confused. Today, crowdsourcing is so much better understood and companies are, are seeking solutions for crowdsourcing. So We're seeing that kind of mainstream adoption cycle slowly tip. Our biggest challenge is just helping you know, that mainstream adoption cycle for crowdsourcing tip over all the way so that crowdsourcing becomes as commonplace as social media marketing is for companies.
0: I love that. That's great. That's a great ambition. So, tell us what's on your roadmap. What's on the platform's roadmap, and what are you guys thinking about at HeroX as the next things you guys need to work on?
1: Well, a big focus right now, we're having a lot of success with let's call it direct customers, you know, customers who call us up, need a project. Our focus right now is working with partners, integrating with partners, doing projects, joint projects with partners, where they bring their expertise, their specialty, and we bring the network effect and the social platform. Mm-hmm. And that's really our future. So we're starting to roll out you know, OEM products where the partners are using our platform to bring the power of the crowd to their existing products or new products as well. We've got a number of really great announcements that are coming out in the next few months. Great. And we really want to be, it's almost like the way the iPhone launched, right? It first launched with its own set of apps, but the real power of the iPhone is when they opened it up as an app store. Yeah. And so what we really see the future of HeroX is being the the app store, if you will, for crowdsourcing, where people can come to HeroX and find projects they want to work with, whether it's with Top Coder, whether it's a big project, you know, with NIST, you know, and Deloitte or, you know, consulting companies, government projects, local projects, you know, projects in specific disciplines, university ones. So partnering is really our focus, where we can really bring the ecosystem, as, as you mentioned earlier, the ecosystem up to getting enough social proof that crowdsourcing is mainstream, it's friendly, look at all these people that are doing it, um, and making it, you know, really doing what Airbnb did for, you know, vacation rentals by owner, which is not a new concept. I mean, that was done in the dawn of the internet. People were listing their properties on various websites. Airbnb made it mainstream, credentialized the exchange, created a good user experience, So really, you know, we're not trying to invent anything new in crowdsourcing. We're just trying to get that critical mass so that it becomes a mainstream proven business tool that companies just use by default when they run into problems and they realize, hey, we should tap into the power of the people who don't work for us, also known as the crowd, to help accelerate this. I
0: love that, man. That's a huge ambition and certainly one that's needed for the whole industry. So it's the last question, yeah. what would you say to a leader struggling with even getting started with the adoption of platforms like HeroX?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So well, a common misconception about crowdsourcing is that it's outsourcing, and that can immediately threaten you know, the staff, right? Because they're like, oh, you want to take our toys and give them away. But that's not really where crowdsourcing shines. The way to think of crowdsourcing is think of it as a collaboration, or we use the term co-innovation, which is, hey... Be really good at what you're good at as a company. You know, most companies can really focus on one or two things and be world-class at it. And use crowdsourcing for the flanking innovations that you need, for the stuff that you don't have the internal expertise for. That's where the power of the crowd really works. Use it for ideation. Use it for proof of concepts. Use it experimentally. The return on investment for doing you know, ideation and proof of concepts is so huge with crowdsourcing. You get so many tremendous ideas so inexpensively and so quickly because it really is parallel innovation is what you're doing. It's really a game changer. And if you do it right, it'll actually create more opportunities for your internal team to be successful and to create value because they're good at commercializing innovation. They're good at serving customers. They're good at the whole life cycle of your company, but the crazy ideas. You know, the, the application of new technologies, the responding to trends in the industry, these are all things that the organizations internally really struggle with. But the crowd handles that naturally. So really, do the right innovation in its own natural habitat. Some innovation is great to do internally, and a lot of innovation is great to put out into the open ecosystem.
0: That's awesome, Christian. Yeah, I love that because I think what we are really talking about here is, you know, Really having a kind of an abundant mindset, right? Instead of having a kind of a, you know, yeah. a different mindset that's not so focused on the future, one that's based on scarcity and I'm worried about my patents or I'm worried about the staff or I'm worried about, the, you know, not invented here. That's what I love about the perspective you have. And, and certainly the whole marketplace leads to that.
1: It's the future and, and companies that leverage the power of the cloud are going to innovate faster. I mean, I think you're clear about that. We're clear about that. We see that every day yeah. and the companies that innovate faster are going to be the leaders and others are going to then emulate their behavior. And so it is, I really believe that it's inevitable that we're going to use the internet to collaborate powerfully, globally, at scale. We're going to use the internet to find the needle in the haystack, that solution that we need rather than waiting for a startup somewhere to you know, build it and now compete against us years later. You know, the leaders in the, each of the industries are using open innovation, they're succeeding with it, and it's just a matter of time before it becomes mainstream. No, I love that. I love that.
0: Well, thanks so much, Christian. Thanks for taking the time. Enjoy your sail. I'm super jealous. Love to be on the water myself, but actually stuck here in the mountains, which isn't a bad deal either. But have a good time up there and look forward to catching up with you soon. Lots to catch up on.
1: Sounds great, John. Will you be safe? And thanks a lot. And Let's keep trucking. Let's keep the movement moving.
0: I love it. That sounds good.